1: Welcome to Virtual Reality Church. Welcome to our virtual church. Is there some type of way for a virtual congregation? You're not a congregation if you don't congregate. When you combine this access with the loss of the
0: local, I become my own confession, and I go around the World Wide Web listening for echoes that say back to me what I've already decided to believe. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
2: With All due respect to the who. No, they're not. Not so much. This is Wretched Radio. That tune has been sung for decades. Artists expressing. Their angst that older generations look down on them and say, Hey, you're wandering away from the old paths. You need to get back to doing it our way. And the kids want to cast off the authority and insist the kids are all right. As long as we're talking about the who. They actually had another song that was very similar with the same belligerent sort of tone Get off of our backs. This is my generation. The lyrics to this.
1: People try to put us to down. Older
2: generation generations put us down. Just
0: because we get around. Talking about my
2: generation.
0: This ain't too look awful. Talking about my generation. i oh, die before I get old.
2: You don't want to get old. That would be horrible. This rebellious spirit it's been alive in the hearts of all kids for all time ask abel this is not something that is new but in the 60s well even going to the 50s uh, a parental rebellion began and it was expressed quite articulately by groups like the who and incidentally it continues to be expressed in popular music this has received 4.1 million views recognize the theme from chloe x hall h-a-l-l-e what's this song about hey we do things differently we don't follow the rules back off the kids are all right well the reality is scientifically. No, they're not. We know this intuitively as Christians because anytime anybody, no matter what their age is, does not follow the precepts of God, it does not lead to all rightness. It it leads to exactly what we're seeing in our society. The loneliness, the depression, the suicide rates, especially among boys. Did you notice that the boys aren't doing all right, especially if anybody is inclined to take their own life it's boys these days. The kids are not all right. I was reading a couple of articles that will perhaps help us to help a younger generation. And if you happen to be a younger generation, please note, your generation is not all right. I'm not talking about you. I'm just saying your generation is not all right. And, and these are, have been concerns that older generations have always expressed to younger generations. You know, the kids these days, kids, what's the matter with kids these days? That's, that's been sung now for, well, forever. But there is a new way of teenage angst that is being expressed. That is so loud. It's deafening. And if we don't respond to it, Uh, then I don't think that we're going to help this generation. So if you're a younger generation, please listen to the pleadings of your parents, talk show hosts that are biblical, your pastor, the older people at your church that are biblical, listen to them. Do we need proof that this is nothing new under the sun? read the book of proverbs the first, see there are the first five or six chapters i'm going to put a rest to this dilemma once and for all for myself proverbs begins after the short introduction please son listen to me that's the beginning of chapter one chapter two do you know how it begins please listen to me there's always been a disconnect between generations where the younger generation it is it's just the process of maturation Don't want to listen. Solomon dealt with this, and he was the wisest man in the world. Can you imagine living as a child underneath the wisest man in the world? The only thing, honestly, and this isn't shtick, the only thing that would probably be more challenging than that would have been to be a sibling of Jesus. Seriously, he never did anything wrong. Not only that, he did everything mega right. Imagine living in that home. Imagine living in the home of Solomon. Even he had to plead with his kids. Chapter two, my son, if you receive my words, treasure my commands, incline your ear to wisdom, apply your heart to understanding, cry out for discernment. Nothing new under the sun. Both generations need to hear this. Older generations need to hear, we were exactly the same way. Younger generation, you need to know you have the same malady that every single teenager has ever had. You don't want to listen to old people. You just fade away, old folks. Chapter three, my son, do not forget my law. Let your heart keep my commands. You'll have longer days. Chapter four, hear my children, the instruction of a father. Give attention to no understanding. I give you good doctrine. Don't forsake my law. Chapter five, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to understanding that you may preserve discretion. Chapter six, my son, if you become surety for your friend. Okay, so then he starts getting into more details and instructions, but you hear the emphasis. This is a wise father pleading with a younger generation, please listen, please listen. Maybe maybe both generations can learn from this. We, we, gotta, we gotta let young people sort some things out to a point. But if you're younger, please know the older ways have merits. In fact, I was reading an article about talking about the old ways. It was about couples that get married and don't share bank accounts. And the headline said something like, well, apparently old people had it right because people who get married and don't share a name or bank accounts have a higher propensity for getting divorced. I found it. This was actually from not the B. It looks like the older generations were right. Study shows joint bank account makes couple happier. Which came first? Happier the bank account. Well, there are just certain things that you can do that when you fully commit to marriage, like you should fully commit to your church, you're just going to be happier. And when you when you do things that really are a one flesh union, you're just going to have a better marriage because you're so committed to it. Another article that I thought was somewhat helpful, although rather disjointed, Dr. Mark Siegel. And it was in Fox News. It really wasn't all that coherent, but it talks about social media that that younger people are obsessing now over physical presentation. In other words, how do they look? Body image issues. Again, nothing new under the sun. But if you're in the younger generation, you've got a pressure that is staggering on you. Are you feeling that pressure, perhaps? It's not just girls. It's boys and girls. You're a boy. you got to the, you gotta get to the gym. you got to get to the gym. you got to make sure that that, that particular, that vanity muscle is pumped up all the time. Why do you feel that need? Hmm? Is that pressure coming from your God? Or telling you, I would love you more if you could bench 50 more pounds? No. It's the world. And young lady, yeah. Even this video of Chloe X Halley Now, they're dressed thankfully that's Chloe and Haley. I looked it up it's it's chloe di- x haley it, it's, it's, it's 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 that's not how you spell haley <laughs> it's Chloe and Haley, no, two sisters no, yes, well that's they harmonize well. I will give them that <laughs> the sisters tend to Chloe, would you like to know what I did that is just beyond tragic? What did you do, even though I have a valid excuse for this. <sighs> Whew. went and watched ABBA, ABBA, ABBA. <laughs> we Christians call her that group from Sweden, ABBA. It was, it was ABBA. Because my daughter, she heard, it, she heard the song, um, whatever the ABBA song was. I can hear the drums, Fernando. No, it was Dancing Queen. And I said, you know, those guys were huge in the 70s. She said, really? And I said, yeah. So I went and looked them up. And they had like a gazillion hits and I watched some of it with my daughter. Even so, somehow I just feel tarnished by the whole experience. These young ladies are dressed, at least they are you know, somewhat appropriate. But they're trying to be very sexual and they're very made up and very glammed and the lighting. And you're getting those messages. They're getting into you. Please don't think they're not. What you're putting in your eyes, what you're putting into your ears, it's getting into you. It really is. It is informing you. It is instructing you. And if you're constantly consuming social media and social media images, please know you're not going to be all right because you're letting the world dictate the terms of what is human perfection and you're gonna find you never meet that standard and you're gonna be miserable but alas poor lad the kids are not all right regarding finding a spouse why next on wretched radio cannot afford them in a local bible teaching church can you imagine the impact how much do you love your macarthur study bible for 25 dollars, you could put a bible into the hands of a believer in the philippines i'll do the math it's not tricky four bibles a hundred dollars maybe you could commit to giving a bible a month to a believer in the philippines please visit wretched.org bible wretched.org bible to join the masters academy international
1: have you ever wondered what happens when you take two colossal, gigantic Christian personalities like Ray Comfort and Todd Friel and you put them together at the same table at the same time while they? break bread? (laughs) Well, they're not going to start a food fight, though. That would be pretty interesting to watch. No, it's actually the latest Breaking Bread where you'll have the opportunity to meet the real Ray Comfort. If you've ever wondered if Ray Comfort is really that kind, is he really that nice, or is he just saving it all up for the camera? Well, here's your backstage pass to find out. Join us September the 28th. That's this Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, exclusively on the Wretched Network YouTube channel. Mark your calendar, tell your grandma, and probably also your pet fish because let's be honest, they need the gospel too. We'll see you this Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Wretched Network YouTube channel. Be there or be a little less informed about the real Ray Comfort.
2: Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. tomorrowclubs.org slash
0: Important dates in Christian history. 800 A.D. Charlemagne, the grandson of Charles Martel, is crowned emperor by the Pope on Christmas. He ushered in the Carolingian Renaissance, which advanced the church, education, and culture in the Holy Roman Empire. This is Wretched Radio
2: with Todd Friel. Now that we're all in agreement, the question is, what do we do about it? This is Wretched Radio. Every societal marker indicates the younger generation is not all right they're hurting, they're suicidal. They are actually, in my opinion, if we're gonna use the mm, therapeutic language of our day, they're being traumatized. Why? Because they're being told you must not just believe, but affirm vociferously values that just go against nature. Well, there was a, where the, the thing with the, here it is right here, Missouri High School, They just dubbed their second homecoming queen, which was a boy. Winning the sarcasm award would be Riley Gaines, so stunning and brave. Another reminder to all girls that men make the best women. Ouch! I wonder if a female will win homecoming king, or if it's understood that both of these spots are reserved for males. That is interesting. Jimmy! Yes. This might not be a very pleasant assignment, but would you be kind enough? And you can you can say I refuse to do such a thing because I don't want to have that in my search engine. Have any girls been dubbed homecoming king? Okay, I'll bet the ratio is is flipped where it's more boys acting like girls. I'll bet you, and that is so unnatural that 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 has to affect young people. You have to affirm that. You have to applaud that. You have to go to your dance, unless, of course, you're a Baptist school. You go to your banquet and you've got to. Yes. Way to go, dude. That Well, you, you, sir. Oh, pretty. Very, very, very pretty. That's jarring. The kids are not all right. Over 3,600 12 to 18 year olds underwent sex change surgeries from 2016 to 2020. There were 48,000 such surgeries that we have recorded. 48,000. Kids aren't all right. Chest reconstruction surgeries on trans identified youth increased nearly 400% in three years. Perhaps sometime we'll get to a really good response to some of these issues, a really helpful way to respond to people who make the claims that a boy can be a girl and there's gazillions of genders courtesy of Greg Kokel. But suffice it to say, for the moment, the kids are being jarred. They're not. okay. here's another marker. Zero students, zero, none, nada, zip, zilch. Zero students at 13 Baltimore high schools test proficient in state math exams. Not all right. No, I grant you it's different cities. I understand that. And by the way, just a reminder about the government's inability to do things that really are not their responsibility very efficiently. I think they were given 790 some million during COVID. They were recently received $1.6 billion from taxpayers. And yet these are the test results. They claim, well, it takes a little time to turn this thing around. All right, maybe we should look at some other factors that contributed to it because it ain't just money. To make it worse, 13 high schools not only turned out zero math proficient students, 75% of the students scored a one out of four, the lowest score possible. Woo. Hold on. Mm, Baltimore student misses 140 days of school, still marked present, somehow passes classes, including physics. Why? Well, because you have to. It's mandated. Uh, what uh, uh, Jimmy, what was the name of the, the uh, legislation? No kid left behind. And The kids don't get left behind, even when they don't show up for school most days. That doesn't help kids. Jimmy? Um, do you find out how many Homecoming Queen Kings we've had? <laughs> well, there's been a
1: few, I think, yeah. uh, but but nothing that uh, there was one back in 2011.
2: 2011, mm-hmm. I think that was the first. Wow! Right. It's good to it's good to hear that date because I think we all feel this. What's going on? What's what? How did this happen so quickly? Uh, no, it's been worked for a long time. But I would guess, do you have anything about the ratio? There's more queens oh, than no. kings. I was just seeing individual stories. Fine. Then I here, then, then let me make it official. Please acknowledge I'm a talk show host. <laughs> Second, I banged my fist on the desk. It's official. More homecoming queens who are actually boys, kings that are actually girls. Definitively. The American Mind headline: meeting people. How, how does it happen? Better yet, how did it used to happen? was really happy to read this particular article, which categorized the social structures that have devolved that keep kids from being able to meet a spouse. This is something we've talked about for quite a bit around here at Wretched, but this is, this is simply an affirmation that the way our communities are now built makes it harder for young people to meet spouses. According to a 2023 Pew survey, about half of users are satisfied with their online dating experience, getting burned out. So why is it, Asked the author, Kara Frederick, why is it that so many are still reliant on dating platforms and apps to meet their social needs? Part of the answer is that civil society has broken down, and I think that's a big part of the answer. Our culture has collapsed. Online dating has begun to replace the traditional ways couples meet, and she offers four categories, one, church. Churches, great place to meet someone. This is a terrific place to meet somebody because why? They share your values. They should also perhaps have some people who can either testify to their character or not. But with church being... Less attended by young people, not encouraged by parents, online churches. They're simply not meeting people face to face. This is is one of the pillars of our society that help people live happily ever after. Furthermore, improper con, I thought this was fascinating. At church, let's just say you date, break up. You still go to church together. You still have to be pleasant to one another in the hallways. Not anymore, because we meet people online. And by the way, I am, I'm not anti-online dating. I, I, I think based on all of these societal structures that no longer exist at the same strength that they once did, I, I think it's something that is wise. I think they can be utilized. Be careful, of course. But having said that, they allow you to be anonymous. Improper conduct, like ghosting. Just, I don't need to talk to that guy or gal anymore. Not if you go to the same church. Bad behavior is curbed. Number two, universities. Women now make up 60% versus 40% men in college. It's even greater on some campus. And with that comes the hookup culture. No commitments necessary. And it's it might be an advantage to men, but ultimately it leaves both genders quite miserable because they don't go about the business of committing to one another. I remember, boy, I, the first time I heard this, I was like, whoa, what's up with that? It was at some Christian university where I think the dean or the president of the school got up on the first day and said, here's what you need to accomplish in four years. Two things. One Get a diploma. Two, find your spouse. Now the whoa, 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 what we? It's a great place if you're at a Christian institution. At least you interact. And even if it's secular, you're face to face as opposed to just online. What about at work? Well, courtesy of the Me Too movement, some good things can come out of that because guys maybe have a reminder: hey, your loudish behavior, not socially acceptable, but as it may be, remove the workplace as being a dating-free zone? Moreover, many white-collar offices switch to remote work. Not a lot of face-to-face contact there. What about friends? Increasingly rare. We've seen these studies. I don't have a best friend. I don't really have a close circle of friends. Well, Those would be the people that you might recommend to somebody that you meet or that they might recommend to you because they know somebody. Gone, gone, gone. This is fascinating. Friendship networks. While introductions through family, church, and school have all been declining since 1940, meeting through friends didn't start deteriorating sharply until, can you guess the year? I'll bet you can come within three years. 2009. What do you know? When social media and cell phones and and online dating grew due to the iPhone, the growth of meeting online has strongly displaced meeting through friends, and that's a loss. If you're young, could I encourage you? Get to church. Join a church. I I think about a university. We can't. We can't the workplace, but we can encourage you to get to church. Make Christian friends and run with other Christian friends in different Christian circles and expand your relationships in the context of the local church. Otherwise, I fear you won't be doing all right either. This is Wretched Radio.
1: It's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Ah, well, what came first, the chicken or the egg? A new study argues that the decline in Christianity is linked to the collapse of marriage and fatherhood. It further reveals that if you grew up in a home with married parents, there's an 80% chance you're affiliated with religion. Because a close relationship with a father significantly influences an adult's religious beliefs. The increase in religious non-affiliation goes hand-in-hand hand with a rise in broken marriages and absent fathers. Yeah, and, and we've talked about this for years here on Wretched. And the more studies they do in this regard, they're just going to keep continuing to find the same results. Cohabitation, while it may be fun and easy to get in and out of, does nothing but affect your children now and down the road. Just struggle after struggle after struggle. Switching gears, you might have heard of Woktopia, but Wisconsin is taking it to new heights. This is sad if I've ever heard it. A transgender man, which is a man who pretends to be a woman. His name is Mark Campbell, and he's convicted of raping his own 10-year-old daughter. Well now, Mark has been moved to a women's prison because he identifies as a woman. A federal judge even ruled in December 2020 that Wisconsin taxpayers should pay for Campbell's transition surgery. A Republican state representative said that was not only injustice to female inmates, it was also injustice to Campbell's victim, his daughter. Meanwhile, you might be interested in knowing that over half of men in Wisconsin prisons who quote, identify as a transgender woman, well, they've been convicted of sexual assault. Surprising? Not in the least. Well, heading to Scotland, they seem to be gearing up to activate their hate speech legislation in November. The law will treat offenses as aggravated if they involve prejudice based on various characteristics. Critics argue that this will do nothing but negatively affect freedom of speech. It it can't do anything but that because it's an anti-free speech law. I mean, honestly, it makes as much sense as buying a brand new umbrella as soon as it stops raining. And last but not least, Open Doors and World Relief are sounding the alarm bell. It's pretty troubling information coming from the two organizations. The number of persecuted Christians being resettled in the U.S. has plummeted by 70% since 2016, from 32,248 in 2016 to a mere 9,538 in 2022 pray for all of our brothers and sisters that are being persecuted all over the world, and pray for the religious freedom in our own country. That's been today's Wretched News break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks.
0: Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is and what He has done. Jesus is called God and Savior. If Jesus were only human, his death could not have paid our debt. But Jesus is both man and God, able to represent us, yet able to bear the wrath of the Father. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
2: Playing the name game, this is Wretched Radio. If you have not yet been confronted by your employer perhaps by a teacher, that you must use a particular vernacular to make sure that nobody feels unsafe or uncomfortable. You will. It's just a matter of time. We will all face this issue. Will you use a person's name that they choose for themselves? Will you use their pronouns? This is a thing. I know a lot of believers. They work in the secular workplace. And they are forced to go to these meetings or they need to affirm under the threat of losing their job. If you think that that just sounds, well, you're in ministry and you're not going to be confronted by this. Oh, you will. If the government insists or if you write something, you say something. And we do what we they are doing in Great Britain and turning each other in because there are now laws that protect people from feeling bad from hate speech. You're you're going to have to deal with this issue. I was reading a book just the other day by one Greg Kokel. I like Greg, his stuff. Other than chapter two in this book, a new book, it's called Street Smarts, using questions to answer Christianity's toughest challenges. And he deals with the issue of, well, We don't even know that Jesus was a human being. What do you do with that? How do you respond to that? The life issue. It's a super helpful book, except for chapter two. (laughs) This is probably the one place where I disagree with Greg on his apologetics and his evangelistic approach. Well, it probably is just exactly that, that I believe evangelism means you got to share the gospel. Greg is more of the opinion you need to put a pebble in somebody's shoe. I say all you do is make somebody's foot sore, but they don't get saved. Greg, in chapter two of this new book, which I do think is worth your time because it's helpful and it is persistent in reminding us to use the Columbo tactic. Turn the tables. Don't let them just polemic you. Hey, what about? And then there's the Catholic Church and then the Middle Ages. Don't let them do it. Turn the tables. Ask them questions. You say you're an atheist. What kind? Why did you decide that that was the correct worldview? How do you dismiss all of the evidence that points toward a creator? In other words, you ask them questions, forcing them to explain themselves as opposed to constantly being on your heels. He's really good at that. And he's a good writer. He has a loping style. It's just easy. You don't you don't get burned out reading his stuff. You don't get exhausted. It's just, he's a good writer and it's super helpful. Except for chapter two, where he says, don't worry about being a harvester, be a gardener. Just plant a seed here or there. Now, I acknowledge there are times when that is all we can do, but we are not called to merely put a pebble in somebody's shoe or to maybe just put a thought in their mind that might ultimately, with more gardeners out there interacting with them, Fingers crossed. Hopefully, they might actually come to the knowledge of the truth. Are there ever times when that's all you can do? Of course, the Uber driver shows up. Gotta go. Okie dokie. That's all I could do. But I think the goal of a Christian witness should be sharing the gospel. So other than chapter two, the name of the book is called Street Smarts. And I'd like to go to, well, just about the last chapter, which deals with pronouns, And if you are dealing with this situation at your workplace or at school, whatever club you're in, maybe this will be helpful. You may not agree with all of it, but it may be helpful. Here's what Greg writes. In my opinion, we should call people by the names they choose for themselves. Do you agree with that? Uh, He's not the only one, by the way, who thinks that. I, I personally am just not comfortable with that because I do believe that names, they are socially constructed but they have historically been applied to a particular gender, unless, of course, your name is Pat. But even that is short for Patricia or Patrick, but we were always gender-specific with names. So I'm not a fan of that, but he's not the only one who feels that way. So it's it's not winged thought. He writes, names are different from pronouns since names are personal preferences by nature. Well, I don't think they are. I think nature has pretty much a list of them, and you get assigned them based on your gender, which presents itself at birth. But this is Greg's take on it. I'm just trying to share it with you because it might be helpful for you in your situation, and you need to make these decisions. He writes, refusing to call people by the names they choose comes across as mean-spirited. That's that's possible. Uh, that, that is true. They could They could see it that way depending perhaps on how we do it. Nevertheless, pronouns, however, refer to sex. One sex is not a preference. It is a fixed feature for reality. Uh, I, I don't know if it's in this section that I've marked up, but he said something that is right. A doctor at birth doesn't assign a body part. You look at the body part, and you simply identify what is presenting itself as either male or female. Let's get to the pronouns, shall we? If you're required to post your preferred pronouns, don't do not simply report your accurate gender. That reinforces the lie that pronouns are mere personal preferences and yours happens to match your sex. So Greg is saying, Jimmy, for you, Jimmy, what are your pronouns that you identify with these days? <laughs> Oh, you won't be him. Yeah, that's it. You don't do that. He said, okay. Instead he suggested I don't have preferred pronouns. I have a sex. I'm male. That's different. Maybe that'll help. This characterization is completely self-reflective. It says nothing about anyone, but you in principle, at least it should not be a problem. you were asked for self-assessment. You gave it end of issue. Don't participate in the lie. And by the way, he uses, I I think, a good anecdote to support that. The, the, The problem of actually supporting a lie by going along with what they want you to say or how they want you to identify. February 1974, Solzhenitsyn, you know, the Russian dissident, the gulag that he was in, won the Nobel Prize. And Christian, expelled from his country. And his last letter was, live not. By lies. Don't participate in the lie. I like this admission from Greg. Most of us are not in a position to affect any immediate change in the culture at large. Yep, that's right. That's why all of these whipped up talk show monologues, we got to do something. Uh, What? Greg actually offers something. You're not powerless. The lies that drive the system can be resisted by ordinary people being faithful to truth while living lives of simple integrity. First, refuse to be cowed by pressure to affirm falsehood. You got to count the cost. He wisely says, you've got to count the cost. Be ready. Mm, but but you, you can't participate in the lie. Be direct, but courteous in the face of opposition. When pressure at the office to participate in sensitivity seminars that would require you to act against your convictions, respectfully decline. If pressed, say this. This might help you. It appears you're you. By the way, Greg shines at this. This isn't terse. This isn't accusatory. You're not on Fox News. It appears you're using your influence as my employer to get me to accept your po- your your politics. Do you think that's a proper use of your power and authority? That. Look at the question here, the the question. Hey, this is my observation. Do you think that that's wise? That's helpful stuff right there. If you're asked to use preferred pronouns when speaking to others, graciously but firmly refuse. Now, see, I, I think that could apply to names too. Say, oh, this is not my view. So it would be dishonest and inauthentic to act like that. In most cases, pronouns are third-person references anyway, corresponding to the sex of people not present. So their feelings are not at stake. Arm-twisting on their part is political, not ethical. It's not ethical to make somebody say what they don't believe. If you're a teacher, you could use students' last names for third-person references or find some other workaround, but don't yield to the pressure to adopt pronouns. That reflect a peculiar divisive political view that you don't hold that's lying writes kokel uh, it's also not loving your neighbor because people who are suffering this is most of us can grasp this you feel but what that whatever that means it's like you're in the wrong body i mean honestly that just that that on the face of it when somebody says I'm a woman trapped in a man's body or vice versa. That sounds like a problem. I mean, that sounds like something that needs to be sorted. And by participating in the lie, affirming pronouns, and in my opinion, names, but that's certainly a debate worth having. I think we're simply affirming people in their mental illness. What can we do at this time? When we hear even sermons, we're, we're not going to take it. No, we ain't going to fake it. I think that's how it goes. We're not going to take it anymore. This is one way you can do it. Winsomely stand up for the truth and, let, and just remind them, hey, I'm sure you wouldn't want me to impose my values on you, right? Why would you think it's right for you to impose your values on me? Great question asking. Street smarts. Greg Kokel. This is Wretched Radio. Busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92,000 ultrasounds. 54,000 babies were saved. 69 ultrasound machines were placed. 10,000 people responded to the gospel. Preborn Ministries with trained specialists, which is why the success rates are so staggeringly high at saving lives with preborn. Please consider supporting preborn at preborn dot slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched.
1: Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. We certainly appreciate it when you tune in and you listen to Wretched Radio and you check out our other resources that are available at Wretched.org. Thank you for listening. We couldn't do this without you. Because who would listen? Who would watch? We need people to watch and listen in order to continue doing this. So thank you for supporting us in that way. Now, if you would like to take our relationship to a higher level, we also need your support financially. Because just like if we don't have listeners and viewers to listen to and view the content, we can't produce it. Well, if we don't have the financial resources, we also can't produce the content we produce. And so we need your help in that regard as well. So if you've ever considered becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner, we would certainly appreciate that. We have answers for any questions you could possibly have available at wretched.org slash donate. That's wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel.
2: Five hundred dollars per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit medishare.com/wretched, medishare.com/wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at eight four four three four bible, eight four four three four bible, eight four four three four bible.
0: Attributes of God. God is a person, he is not a detached impersonal force. He is a conscious, self-aware being with a mind and a will. He has made himself known through scripture and most of all, he wants you to know
2: him personally.
0: This is Wretched Radio with Todd
2: Friel. Looking for something to do Thursday night? Right, right, yip, yip. This is Wretched Radio. Ray Comfort appearing on our YouTube channel. A behind-the-scenes look into the man, the myth, the persistent evangelist. Seems to me this is a man who takes the Bible seriously. Proverbs 11.30, he who wins souls is wise. Daniel, I believe, chapter 9, talks about lights in heaven that there are some that are going to be brighter than others, and the connection appears to be those who share their faith a lot will have a brighter light. That's Ray Comfort, and you will meet the man. Not the guy you see on the YouTube machine, but the real Ray Comfort. How does this man's personal life mirror his public presentation? You'll find out Thursday night, 7 p.m., the YouTube machine and as long as I brought up the subject of heaven
0: where is the hope where is the peace that will make this life complete for every male woman boy and girl looking for heaven in
2: the real world ah heaven in the real world the world would like it the Christian has it You just maybe aren't accessing it. I'm not being all Gnostic on you, but the Puritans used to write about getting fit for heaven, about being more heavenly minded. Well, that just makes you no earthly good. No, it actually makes you earthly better when you're more heavenly minded because you are thinking more thoughts about God. You are thinking more godly thoughts. You are thinking about things that are pure, lovely, and worthy of praise. It actually makes you more everything. Well, non-sinful on this earth when we think about heaven about 2 weeks ago Jimmy i believe that we were talking about richard baxter's practical theology it was his soul care book so i go to the mail a few days later and this is in there what exactly is that it's a book by richard baxter a dear friend of mine a man who has impacted my life wow if if you don't realize how much impact you can have on a human being, even in a short amount of time. This guy is a testimony in my life. I I, I think about this guy like regularly asking myself, I wonder how he would respond in this situation. So some people, you know, they've got WWJD. That's good. I've got WWHD. What would Hyland do? Well, what Hyland did was send me this book by Richard Baxter. It is a well worn book. It's probably a hundred and, well, I don't know, I'll tell you, 1843. There you have it. It's called The Saints' Everlasting Rest, or a treatise on the blessed state of the saints in their enjoyment of God in heaven now, enjoying God now, delighting in things of the Lord today. How can one go about doing that? Well, Richard Baxter. He has some tips that were called by Mr. WWHD. Living in any known sin is a grand impediment to heavenly conversation. You're just missing out. Uh, I'm not saying you're not a Christian if you're at war with your sin. Final victory. Uh, How's about putting it behind you? It doesn't mean temptations won't continue to raise their ugly head. But what about, just, what about crushing the head of the sin that so besets you? Uh, I, the, the difference between a true and false convert is the, the, the false convert dives into sin. The Christian falls into sin. So I don't want to suggest that you're not saved if you're fallen, you're battling, you're repenting. But if you want a, perhaps an incentive for crushing the head of your sin, you're missing out on sweet thoughts about heaven and what the lord has prepared for you more from baxter an earthly mind is another hindrance carefully to be avoided god and mammon earth and heaven cannot both have the delight of the heart now you say that ain't an issue for me because i'm not looking for fame and fortune but i wonder if maybe you're more worldly than you think due to that thing you have in your back pocket or perhaps that is in your palm right now an earthly mind is another hindrance carefully to be avoided. Would you like more peace and patience and goodness and assurance? All right, make sure the world isn't getting into your earbuds or eyeballs. Beware of the company of the ungodly. Hang out with people who don't think heavenly-minded thoughts. You're not going to either. Take heed of a proud and lofty spirit. Go to work on that. By the way, we all have that, don't we? A proud and lofty spirit, the love of self. Mm. Did I mention Thursday night you're going to meet the real Ray Comfort? You're going to see a man who's getting ready for heaven. Number whatever it is, a slothful spirit is another impediment to this heavenly life. What? What do you mean? I like my video games. Yeah, I know you do, but you're missing out on heavenly thoughts. You know, maybe instead of just shooting up a lot of people, jumping over a lot of secured houses where the bad guy lives, maybe spend more time thinking about, you know, God, the most delightful thought that there is. Become heavenly minded. Be convinced that heaven is thy only treasure and happiness and labor to know what a treasure and happiness it is. If you're not convinced that heaven is the happiest thought that you can have because you will meet and be with your God there face to face, then you need to study it so that you can be persuaded of it. This is like, I don't feel like reading the Bible. Oh, here's the solution. Read your Bible. Well, I I don't, you know, I'm not all that nuts about heaven. I'm pretty young after all. Then think about heaven. Think about being with God who is, with all due respect to Dennis Prager, sufficient in every regard, you're going to be with him. Labor to apprehend how near thy rest is. Ain't that the truth? Better to spend a day in the house of mourning than in the house of rejoicing, no matter what age you are. Well, uh, oh, 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 who just, shoo. I think it was Mike Fabaras. When, when I got to spend, what a joy that was, spend some time with Mike Fabares last week. You'll see that on Wretched TV. Maybe we'll play it someday here on Wretched Radio. And, and Mike, I think he offered a quote from D.L. Moody that was basically better, in the ho- better a day in the house of mourning than a day in the house of rejoicing. You, you do well to spend time near death. Not morbidly, but realizing this place is a vapor. It's going to be gone. So are you. Your soul's going to depart. Your body's going to be left behind until 1 Corinthians 15, your resurrection body happens. You you better get ready. You better be thinking about it because I'm telling you. All right. this, this This is something that maybe will persuade you. If you're younger, you ever hear the older people? Where did this year go? Apparently, these are older people from Minnesota. What happened then? Did the calendar this year just seem to, to disappear? Well I th- I think that that should be something to learn from. Time flies whether you're having fun or not. It's going to be gone. You are going to get there. You are going to break down. You are not going to escape it. I'm not suggesting you don't keep going to your health regimen whatever your thing is. Keep your temple fit. That's fine, but please know you ain't going to win. You are not going to defeat the effects of aging. And then one day you are going to be the one, hopefully your loved ones are gathered around to say goodbye to you. And off you go. You thinking about that? You should. Let thy eternal rest be the subject of thy frequent serious discourse, especially with those that can speak from their hearts and are seasoned themselves with a heavenly nature. There's a movie. Jimmy, what was that movie? There's some movie out that talks about near-death experiences. People love to talk about that. What are those things, by the way? They're nothing to base any sort of decisions or preparation for heaven on, whatever synapsing in the brain with some of those commonalities that people experience. Well, people, they like to they like to talk about the afterlife. We Christians, all the more, we know what it is. There aren't people who are taking heavenly tours. They're jumping on Marta to get to heaven and then come back again with a return ticket. No, we have somebody who's descended and told us everything we need to know about heaven and that's enough and it's good and we need to study that and spend time talking to others about that. It'll do you good. Be much in the evangelical work of praise. Ever keep thy soul possessed with believing thoughts of the infinite love of good. Hmm. Interesting. We live in a time when there's so much emphasis on all the terrible. I advise thee, as a farther help to this heavenly life, not to neglect the due care of thy bodily. Well, then, because there's a connection between your body and soul. You exercise it, makes you feel better. Take care of those things, but only so that your mind can be filled with more heavenly thoughts. You're going to have more joy. You're going to have more peace. You're going to have more patience, and you're going to have more longing to be there one day, and death will no longer be the terror that perhaps it currently is. Heaven in the real world, now. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.